Good morning, my name is Pastor Roy and I am the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. And this morning, it's Good Friday. And to the outside world, that's a strange name, Good Friday. I mean, if you read through the events of that fateful Friday without actually knowing the ultimate outcome, Good Friday is quite a confusing name. But it's Good Friday that the cross, the symbol of our Christian faith, takes center stage. But there wasn't just one cross. There were three crosses on Calvary that day. Three men were sentenced to be crucified on a hill. And, and originally, none of those crosses had Jesus' name on the reservation. We know very little about the three men that were sentenced to die, other than that they were robbers and that they were violent. And there's a very good chance that the violent trio, they actually knew each other and fought side by side as partners in crime. The only name we do know is that of Barabbas. Barabbas was a leader in the rebellious revolt against Rome. So you might assume that the other two men that were being crucified on his left and his right were his deputies. And maybe they grew up with similar stories. They were raised to hate Rome and its oppression of the Jewish people. Their way of combating this injustice was, was that through the means of violence. And perhaps their attempt to rise up against the, the oppression was religious in nature to begin. But eventually they found themselves robbing and killing even their own people to finance their rebellion. They'd come to a point where they had just given up hope on God that he was going to free his, the people. So they're just going to do it themselves. So the day of revolt came and they took the lives of a few Romans. But now it all just seemed like for nothing because they were captured and facing death in the most excruciating way. As the sun set on that Thursday night, they knew it was all over. They knew they were doomed and their emotions were likely all over the place. They, were likely, they likely felt sorrow over their actions, fear of the pain of the cross, fear of coming to their death, extreme anger towards Rome, and disappointment that more of their Jewish brothers didn't stand up and fight alongside them. As the night came to an end and the sun began to rise, something unexpected was about to happen. Barabbas would be pulled from his cell to the sound of people chanting his name, but he must have been confused to why. And the next thing he knew, he was free. His cross given to someone else. And at this point, Barabbas had a choice to make. What would he do with his newfound freedom? Truth is, everyone faces the choice of Barabbas. Je Jesus has taken our place on the cross. So do we continue in our rebellion and sin and end up right back on death row? Or do we live a life that is thankful for God's deliverance? Do we forget who took the cross? Or do we seek to know him more? The two other thieves, they just, they weren't as fortunate. Like Jesus, they had a cross beam tied to their back and they were forced to drag it, up, drag it up the hill themselves, this long trek to the spot where they would meet their end. And along the way, they figured out who it was that took Barabbas' cross. It was a rabbi named Jesus, the one that was rumored to be the long-awaited Messiah. Now they had tried to be their own Messiah and it ended up putting them right on a cross. I mean, this so-called Messiah was not faring any better. So as they reached the place of their death, they were laid out, nails driven into their hands and their feet, blinding pain shooting throughout their bodies. And as they were lifted in, into position, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark testify that these thieves turned on the man between them. And they mocked him, and they insulted him, and they ridiculed his kingship and his ability to save himself and them. And that's as far as one thief got. 
He couldn't see through his pain enough to feel anything but anger and rage towards God and towards, towards this so-called man of God. Again, the truth is the world around us is in pain. And the real tragedy is, like the one thief, they will die mocking and hating God without recognizing that salvation is right in front of them. The Gospel of Luke finishes the story. Through Mary's eyewitness of the scene, Luke tells the story of the other thief. We learn that the other thief has his eyes open to who the rabbi really is. He looks at the rabbi who was beaten and bleeding, and instead of seeing a defeated Messiah, he sees an innocent and triumphant king. He saw a truth that Jesus' own disciples had failed to see. He turned to Jesus and said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered the man, Today you will be with me in paradise. And it didn't matter about his past. It didn't matter that he was a murderer and a thief. It didn't matter that the moments earlier he had insulted Jesus. It didn't matter that there was no time left in his life to make up for all the wrongs he had done. It didn't matter that he would never come down off that cross. All that mattered was that he found forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. And what we learn here is that no one is disqualified from the saving grace of God. It's never too late for anyone. No sin is too great. Don't count anyone out. But just keep praying for people. Keep encouraging people. And we also learn this. The salvation is simple. Repent and believe. What this man wouldn't have given to climb down off that cross and live a life for Jesus. But instead he watched Jesus die. And then he had his own legs crushed by a Roman soldier. And he suffocated as he shivered and bled on a cross. But the next thing this man's conscience would realize is that he was in the presence of his Lord. His broken body healed. The filth of his sin washed away. Fully adopted, fully restored in glory with his Messiah. This was the paradise that Jesus promised. Good Friday? It absolutely was. And as followers, we have the knowledge of knowing what's coming on Sunday. And it's that knowledge of the incredible saving grace of God through the sacrificial act of Jesus' death on a cross is the reason we celebrate with communion this morning. So this morning, if you prepared communion, I'd like you to get that ready. And I'm just going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verse, verse 26. It says this, While they were eating... Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Why don't we do that together? Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's take the juice together. God, I thank you on this Good Friday that we can truly call it a Good Friday. That we, can, uh, that we know that Sunday's coming. We know uh, how excruciating it must have been for you to watch your son die on that cross. 
But the fact that you sacrificed your son for the, for the sins of mankind, God, we are so incredibly thankful. There's, there's nothing that we could do to repay this, God, but we accept this gift of grace. We accept this gift of sacrificial love. And so, God, I pray that uh, each person that, that hears my words, God, would take that, take a moment to reflect on that. And this morning, God, that we would look to live a life that is in full service and humble to, to you. And so, Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to thank you this morning for joining us for our Good Friday service. And I want to end it this way. We're going to, I'm, we're going to show a, a reading of the Easter story. So why don't you settle in and just kind of maybe close your eyes and just listen to the Easter story. And we'd love to see you on Easter Sunday to tune in as we've got some, we've got a, a great service planned. And so have a great day and God bless you. John chapters 18 and 19. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave to me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given to me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus to the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. 
When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, then why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you at the garden with him? Again Peter denied it, and at that moment the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the type of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone to you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was abandoned. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they dressed him up in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters and again, asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, 
Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at the place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was about the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king! And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews also said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead. 
One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, They will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in that place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there.